Hello, and welcome to The Jam. This is for when your life and your toast are a little dry. I'm Joanne. And I'm Maddie. And together we make The Jam. And we're excited to sit here and chat with you. So grab a cup of something delicious. Enjoy the show. Last week, Joanne talked about her vocation story, which ultimately our vocation stories are ending in the same place as in I'm getting married. So spoiler alert. (laughs) And (laughs) Joanne is already married. But we took very different paths and journeys to get there, which is a good thing, I think. You know, mm-hmm. God doesn't have the same path for every person, but I think we can learn from each other's stories. So I'm trying to think of like the best place to start. Growing up, I everyone always told me, like, oh, Maddie, you're such a good mom. You're so good with kids. You're going to be such a good mom someday. And I remember feeling this kind of like resentment, like, I'm not just going to be a mom. Like, I have so many other skills, like not just being a mom. And I would get all like up in arms about this kind of natural gift that I had. But even though I kind of had this, like, not adversity, I guess adversity to people focusing so much on that being like my skill or my talent, I still knew kind of like deep down in my heart, like, yeah, I'm going to be a wife and mother. That's what my that's what my vocation is going to be. I did go through periods where I like thought about religious life, prayed about it. Mostly it was mostly like me freaking myself out and being like, I think I need to be a nun. And I talked to vocations directors and they were like, that's not like really how it works. You would feel differently than just this kind of panicky feeling that you need to be a sister. Anyways, I'm getting ahead of myself. So I... So I've always kind of known that I wanted to get married or that my vocation was to get married and to be a wife and mother. And I remember like in high school, I didn't date. I wasn't the kind of girl who like dated in high school. I was like a very much a tomboy. Not that tomboys don't date in high school, but I was just like, boys are dumb and they get in my way. (laughs) I just like want to be friends with them. And my best friend growing up was a boy. And I think he saved me from a lot of heartache because he we went to school together and he would be like, Maddie, don't talk to that boy. That boy's an idiot. Don't talk to that boy. That boy is a player. Don't talk to that boy. He's the worst. And I would just be like, okay, I won't. Like, I I was like, I don't need those boys anyway. But I always kind of like, I had this longing and I was feel like frustrated or hurt that it seemed like other girls around me were getting attention from boys and I wasn't and that was no just felt like a little like sting or a little ache like am I not pretty enough am I not thin enough am I not whatever enough to be like sought after or to be wanted and I did a lot of comparing my sisters and my friends are beautiful and there were always boys who wanted to date them or spend time with them in a way that they didn't pursue me. And I remember that. I remember that hurting because I wanted to be desired and I wanted to be Mm -hmm. pursued, you know, like any girl wants that. 
And so I get, so after I graduate from high school, I do a year of mission work with net ministries. And I was like, for sure, I'm going to meet my husband on net. Like it's all these Catholics <laughs> from all over the United States. My future husband is bound to be there. And that's not why I did net. It was not to meet my future spouse, but I was for sh- like 99.9% sure that that's where I was going to meet my spouse. So I spent a lot of time on that liking boys and wishing they would talk to me, but there was this whole like dating fast, blah, blah, blah. Can't date anyone on your team, which is totally good and normal. But I feel like every week I was like, oh, I have another attraction to this boy. I have another attraction to this boy. And my team leader would always be like, Maddie, calm down. It's fine. Just you're 18. It's fine. Like, well, I feel like anytime you, you enact like a mandatory dating fast, that's when they come out of the woodwork. Uh-huh. Yep. All those crazy girls like me, but I was more of like a low key crazy girl. I more was mean to boys if I liked them. So they didn't really know that I liked them. <laughs> it was just, yeah, I got pretty mean. I always thought I was subtle, but I definitely am not subtle. Yeah, you're a little more flirty, I think, than I am. Not that that's a bad thing. It's probably a better thing. People shouldn't. You shouldn't be mean to boys if you like them. Pro tip. Don't be mean to boys if you like them. Anyways, (laughs) moving on. So after I liked all these boys on net, nothing ever panned out. But after net, one of my teammates he started like pursuing me and talking to me and um, really showing a lot of interest in me. And long story short, he and I started dating and I ended up transferring to the school that he was going to school at. We, we, and I should say like, especially me made a lot of like sacrifices as in like where I was living or, Uh, what I was doing to like ensure that he and I could be together and we dated for three years for not so that was like for most of college and I was like convinced that he and I were going to get married and we had talked about like we had talked about what our plan was after getting married he was going to go to law school we were going to live in the Pittsburgh area I was going to get a job. Um, And then once I got a job in Cincinnati, it was like, okay, he'll go to law school in Cincinnati and it'll be great. We'll get to get married. We had gone ring shopping together. He told me he like talked to my parents. So we were like moving down this trajectory of getting married. And I was really, really excited about it. I mean, obviously like what girl wouldn't be excited about (laughs) this man who was saying he was gonna like lay down his life for you um and then literally it was like one day that everything came like crashing down and it was all these kind of like little subtle things that I thought maybe were wrong or thought were kind of off and things that he would say or do or things that other people would say or do and tell me about him that I didn't want to listen to because I was in love and I was planning on getting married and this was just like how it was going to be. I was being a little bit stubborn. Um, 
yeah, literally one day, everything just kind of like came crashing down all these like lies that he had told me addictions. Um, he ended up not being in school. Like I thought he was, he'd been evicted. There was like all of this crazy shit that had happened that he had been hiding from me. And he, now, did you just find out about it all on one day or is there just one day that you woke up and you're like, all right, like, I can't sleep. Like I can't do this anymore. Like I learned about all these things in the past, like two weeks and now I'm done. Mm-mm, it happened like in one day. Wow. Like I found out everything in one day. It was something his roommate said to me, his roommate and I had Spanish class together and his roommate was like, Oh, have you seen him? Like, how's he doing? And I was like, well, you live with him. Like he's fine. He was like, Oh, he got evicted. You didn't know that. And I was like, Oh, shit. Okay. And after that happened, all of these things kind of like fell into place. It was almost like a veil was lifted from my eyes. Mm. After that piece of information, I learned that piece of information and I just called him and I was like, what the hell? Like, is this true? Is this true? What about this? Are you really in school? Oh, so you hadn't really confronted him about any of these other things that you had kind of heard in the rumor mill. No. Yeah, no, because I was like, okay. well, people are dumb. Like, it's not, it, there wasn't anything like right. concrete enough. It was all like very subtle stuff and things. Mm-hmm. And I would confront him about things, but he was a very good liar. He always had an answer. <coughs> Excuse me. But like, he couldn't hide anymore. Like I had found out the truth about one thing and the lies just like unraveled from there which was just devastating. And I remember he like picked me up and we went for a drive and I was like so mad. I was like yelling and crying and I was like, I was so angry with him. And it was just like clear, like we can't do this. We can't do this anymore. Um, yeah, we can't do this anymore. And the more that we talked, the more things kind of like came out and the more I realized like how unhealthy he was, which was making our relationship unhealthy, how much dysfunction there was. And that was really hard to face and was really hard to face that this life that I had built up in my mind, this like person that I had built up in my mind wasn't the person that they said they were. And like my Mm -hmm. world, like literally like came crashing down. Like it, it felt like everything was out of control. Like kind of like my world was spinning and I had all this like fear and anxiety. I was afraid he was going to like hurt me or hurt himself because yeah. some of the behaviors were pretty unstable. And I was really embarrassed too, because I had a lot of friends. He had a lot of friends. People knew us together. We'd been together for three years And I was really, I didn't know what to tell people. I remember like walking through campus and feeling like people were like staring at me or like what happened, which may have all been in my head. But going to such a small school, I felt Mm -hmm. the rumor mill just kind of like turned. And I didn't tell a lot of people like the whole story of what actually happened because I was really, because I was really embarrassed. And I was like an RA and I thought that 
his like mistakes were like kind of tainted me in my life. I'm like, how could I choose? How could I have chosen to be with someone like that? How could I have been so blind? How could I have, how could I have not seen what was going on? How could I have been so like naive and dumb or taught, put up with so much stuff? Um, because that in retrospect, I'm like, man, like that's not what a relationship should have looked like. Mm-hmm. That was not healthy, but I didn't know any better. And yeah, and I think like knowing you guys on the outside, because I knew you not super well, um, but knew of you when you were in the, like at the end of this relationship. Like mm-hmm. it was, it was like shocking to like like I remember talking to Bethany about it. It's like, oh, I can't believe they broke up. Like it's crazy, and we didn't know like. We just knew that something happened. Like I, you know, I mean, even some of the stuff you're saying, like I knew some of it, but didn't know all of it, you know? Mm -hmm. And so like, we just knew that somehow it ended and that it was bad because you guys had been together forever and um, not forever, three years, but still like we only knew you as being together. And so it was, it was pretty weird, you know, to be on this, the outside of like, wow, like this is, is kind of crazy. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, it was it was crazy. Yeah, it was crazy and Yeah, I don't think a lot of people I still to this day like don't think a lot of people like know the truth and I don't think I even know the full truth of like what happened. Mm-hmm. And over the years I've just had to like come to terms with not know not having all the information. They're yeah. kind of like having a freedom and not having to know everything. That was really hard to come to. That was a very like, dark, yeah. a very dark and sad time for me. I probably was depressed, but couldn't have, what couldn't have told you that. Mm-hmm. I was very blessed with really good friends, a really good staff of people that I worked with as RAs a really good community rallied around me. And the thing that I remember most from that time is the women in my life showing me like so much love, so much care, so much empathy. Yeah. I remember like anyone that I told, like just, just welcomed me with like a loving and open and empathetic heart and let me cry and let me yell and let me, just be how I needed to be people would people would bring me food people would help me do my homework I don't say yeah I was a mess I was like a big mess and the people who were closest to me during that time like really really got to see very messy Maddie and it was not pretty but I never have felt so close to God it sounds cheesy but like that, you know, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted, but it is so true. Like in my heartbreak, I never have felt closer to Jesus than I did then. There was a chapel in the basement of the, of the dorm that I lived in. And I spent hours in that chapel and the, in the book searching for, no, Interior Freedom, the book Interior Freedom by Jacques Philippe. Mm. I was going to say searching mm-hmm. for maintaining peace. That's another one of his, but the one that I read during that time was interior freedom. And that book, like in that period changed my life. I mean, it was Jesus working through that book, but 
a lot of healing went on in my heart. And I think in some ways I've for the past, I guess it's kind of, it's good that I've lost track of time. How long ago that, how long ago that was, that was about almost five years ago now that I am still healing from. It was like a traumatic experience mm-hmm. of all, of all of that happening. And it's been a slow and sometimes painful healing and sometimes even talking about it, like kind of relive that like pain and confusion. So that was rough. And the same semester he broke up with me or that we had, that our relationship ended. He didn't break up with me. Our relationship just needed to end because of his choices and his deceit. And my two best friends graduated (laughs) and I was like, well, this sucks. What the hell am I supposed to do now? Enter, enter Joanne. So if that relationship wouldn't have ever ended and my two best friends wouldn't have abandoned me, I wouldn't have become friends with you. So that's true. And I, during that time, like you probably didn't know, like you were saying, like really understand what was going on, but your like consistency of like, we go to 8am mass together and we eat breakfast and we crap around every day. It was like, one of those kind of like small reasons, like, okay, I have a reason to like wake up this morning, get ready. Mm-hmm. Someone is waiting for me. And I don't know if I could have like put it into words then, but it was this, like, you were a constant friend showing up for me in a small way. I don't know. Maybe you were doing it intentionally, but that like routine of having a community of someone to go to like really helped me get through that time of like great loss and heartache so I don't know if I've ever told you that thank you no you're welcome no you never did and honestly like you're telling me this and I'm like wow I see it now but I've been oblivious until this moment because I I don't know what I thought I was like oh well that happened last semester and like she's over it or whatever I don't know if I thought (laughs) that which is like kind of an ignorant thing to think um but I, I really think that it just was like, we were at like a household commitment or something. And I was like, yeah, you know, like sometimes I go to a mass at St. Pete's at eight and you're like, oh, like that would be perfect because this day, like I don't have classes because you had only classes on Tuesday and Thursday or something. Yep. And so I was like, so you're like, can I come with you? And I was like, yeah, sure. And I just thought it was like, somebody wants to come with me. Like, that's awesome. Like if you ask, I'm the kind of person that I don't like to start the conversation. So, but if you ask me to like do something with me or whatever, like I'm super into it, but I'm not going to extend the invitation necessarily. Um, unless I can tell, unless you're like, wow, I would love to go to St. Pete's. That would be so cool. Then I'll be like, well, just come with me, you know, mm. something like that. So, so no, that's funny. No, it was just because you loved fun. So like going out <laughs> for donuts and stuff like it's, it's crap I wanted to do, but I needed someone to tell me that it was okay to do it. So. <laughs> and that is why we had so much fun. And I probably gained 10 pounds my last semester of college. Probably. It's fine. <laughs> no, but it was the best. It was just, the, no, it was good. That's over. That was over dramatic, but it was just the best having that routine, like having someone to pray with and play with that sounds so no, like, yeah, just, I know. <laughs> and that's why I like gravitated towards you too and I was like oh this girl's gonna eat donuts with me and just like do random fun stuff just because like I, I know this I need this I need this in my life no it's true I mean I do think it was so providential because it was funny like the 
the semester that everything like went down for you, it definitely was not the same for me, but there was this one like guy that I had become friends with. And so he, like, I realized that when my friends graduated and left like during the end of my junior year, like I made this guy, like my best friend and he really wasn't interested. Like he likes to have, he's very similar to you, like very sanguine, like likes to have fun, likes to party, whatever, but had a lot of responsibilities and would get really anxious about all these responsibilities. So I'm like, Hey, like it's Friday. Like you want to go to the house house? And he's like, well, I have to do this. And then I have this homework thing and I have this household thing. And then I was just like, you're a party pooper. And so (laughs) I think, I mean, I think that he just was bad at saying no because he's Mm -hmm. a sanguine, but I also think I was probably a little bit too, um, I don't know, forceful about like my need to have fun. So anyway, so the timing worked out well, because then I ended up like falling for him. And then I was like, hey, I like you. And he's like, well, I don't like you. And so anyway, and then, and then I went on vacation with him. So awkward. Not alone. There was other people on this trip vacation thing that I, yeah, I yeah. wasn't like with him, but it wasn't anyway, it was not a romantic getaway in any means. It was him. Like I live in Texas. You should come to Texas and eat my tacos. <laughs> like, that's, okay. that's what it was. So I was like, um, I love tacos. So there. give me your Mexican tacos. So anyway, yeah. But so it was good because I realized I was like, oh, I just tried to make you like my girlfriend, but you're not. So mm-hmm. I need a real girlfriend. <laughs> so, which I don't know how, why, like, why didn't Bethany do that? Or I, I don't know. She was student teaching. So maybe that's why she was like, I, I can't have any fun. I have to student teach. Yeah, and I <laughs> backed my schedule. So I only had classes on Tuesdays and Thursdays so I could party Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. And I would study on Wednesday. It was the perfect schedule. That's perfect. For any, any college student in any year, stack your schedule. <laughs> Tuesdays and Thursdays are the worst, but the rest of the time, you're praising the Lord for how much time you have. And that you can go do fun stuff on the weekends. Wow. What a life. What a life. So anyways, the rest of college, I didn't date anyone. And I just really focused on my relationship with Jesus and just like having fun because I realized about how much fun I had missed out on in college because I was consumed with this freaking boy who broke my heart and lied to me. I don't remember. But that was just one semester. Yeah, because we graduated at the same time. Yeah, we graduated at the same time. So it was really one semester that I like lived my college dream. So (laughs) don't make the same mistakes I did. Anyway, so after that, I didn't date anyone for like a good long while. I graduated from college and I moved to Cincinnati to start a job working for a Catholic nonprofit there. And I really enjoyed it, like built this great community of people who I just felt so like loved and cared for it and welcomed there. It was just kind of this home away from home and establishing my adult life. And I really feel like I had kind of the fun and community and carefree singlehood that, you know, people want and talk about. And I, st- and I wanted too, but I still had kind of this like longing and desire for a relationship for something more and entered this cute boy who started working with me. And I fell hard for him. I had like the hugest like schoolgirl. Yes. Like for so long, everyone knows. I crushed on this boy for like a year, more than a year. 
Oh gosh. I'm a little embarrassed, (laughs) but he was so good and kind and funny and sweet and like really treated me well. And it was a very like healing experience to date him. Um, Oh yeah. Surprise. We dated. So basically he was like, he had been flirting with me and I was like, I don't know. I've been flirting with him and it was driving me literally insane. So I wrote him a letter and told him I liked him, which I don't know. I would recommend doing that. Just get it off your chest, girl. Like I don't regret doing that. And then he was like, Oh, I like you too. And then we dated for almost a year and there were good parts about our relationship, but there were some like dysfunctional parts more so because I was way more into it than he was. Mm -hmm. And in a relationship, like both people have to be walking next to each other. I was like sprinting a, a marathon and he was like going for a slow jog in our relationship. And so it really like didn't work out, but I still like, I still am so thankful for that. And I think we both had like genuine like love and friendship for each other, but it wasn't going to go any place. Um, and I'm, as much as it hurt, I'm very grateful that he confronted me and broke up with me, even though I tried to, for like three months after that, get back together because I couldn't handle the fact that we weren't together anymore. I missed him and I missed, I missed having a relationship in my life. Um, but I'm grateful that he, I'm grateful that he like, he stood his ground and he encouraged me to like move on, even though like it would be hard for him to see me dating someone else. He really encouraged me to move on because he knew that he couldn't give me what I needed or wanted. Uh, So I'm grateful for that. And it was good to see like, oh, men are honest. Not all men are lying schemers. Oh, like men can be responsible and care for you and you don't have to do all of the caring. Um, So there was a lot of like healing that that relationship brought to my, brought to my heart and brought to my view of men and relationships in general. Um, And so I guess he and I had been broken up or like had not been in a relationship for I guess probably like, I think it was six months and I was really like distraught. I was like, I'm never going to get married. I'm 26. I'm never going to get married. No boys will ever (laughs) like me ever. My eggs are all going to dry up and I'll never get to be a mom. Blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Even though like on the outside, I was just like, yeah, it's whatever. I'm fine. Like it's fine. Um, and at this point I was really going through a hard time because that the man that I was dating, he and I broke up. Two of my best friends from this area moved away. We went, I went through a lot of changes at work. So I was going through a very tumultuous, tumultuous time in my heart. (laughs) And I started going to counseling, which would recommend we should do a podcast on counseling because I think it's the best. Mm. And my counselor, among other things, really encouraged me to do online dating. She's like, go on some date. Wow. You don't have to marry these boys. Go to coffee, go to dinner, see what you like, see what you don't like, put yourself out there. It doesn't have to be this like scary thing because I was really scared, like scared of getting my heart broken again, scared that no one was ever going to love me. 
Mm. All of those lies that we we tell ourselves, like scared that I didn't know how to do a healthy relationship. All of these things, scared that I was going to get hurt again. I think I already said that, but I was scared enough to say that twice. And then I had some other people in my life say that I should do online dating. And so I was like, okay, what the hell? I'll do online dating. So my friend came over, Kristen, shout out to Kristen. She helped me set up my Catholic match profile, but I didn't pay for it. I just kind of tootled around on there for like three months. And then one day I got really pissed off at a certain man in my life. And I. Was it the one that you were dating? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. I wasn't sure if it was a third or I mean another, an additional no. love, love interest. Okay. That's fine. Sorry. No, no additional love interest. The same. Okay. I got very frustrated with him. And so I rage paid for a Catholic match, like the full subscription. Um, so Is it expensive. Not, it's not that expensive. I think I paid like 60 bucks for six months or something like that. Okay. So in investment, it's not like five dollars, but it's also not right. like hundred dollars. Yeah, I definitely afford sixty dollars, but I'm probably dragging my feet. So like, oh, it's not the right timing. But so I rage joined <laughs> Catholic Match in January, and I was like, I'm not even going to meet anyone. Catholic Match is dumb. Catholic Match, is <laughs> and then I also joined Coffee Meets Bagel. Ooh. I need to do something a little bit more casual, like just go on coffee dates, like just get to know these boys. I don't, you can meet Catholics other places. My friend said all the normal Catholics are on coffee, coffee meets bagels, so I'll just join that. So I started, I, I, I went a little ham. <laughs> I was talking to like, I was like, boys at once. And then this one boy, he was like, oh, can I take you out on a date? And I was like, sure, you can take me out on a date. And so we met up and we, oh, and then there was this other boy who, surprise, is not my fiance, who I was talking to on Catholic Match. And he was like, oh, can I like, can we talk on the phone? And I was like, sure. So I scheduled a date for Thursday and then a phone date for Friday. And I was like, well, just, just get all these dates in. <laughs> and so I went on this date. Uh, with this boy that I met on Coffee Meets Bagel, and he was literally the Kentucky version of that boy that I dated in high school, in college, who was the worst. And so I was like, I can't. I'm sure you're a nice guy, but you're literally the same as this other guy. <laughs> we had pizza. We talked about our families. He cared too much about sports. And so that bothered me and we went bowling, which was fun, but there were no sparks flying. I felt it was very much confidence boosting for me because I felt very charming. I, I remember I went to my friend <laughs> after the date and I was like, he was fine, but I dazzled him with my, with how charming I am. And they're like, Oh, Maddie, you dazzled him. I was like, yeah, I did. But obviously I didn't dazzle him because the next day he texted me and was like, I wasn't really feeling any sparks. You're a super nice person, but I don't think this is going anywhere. And I was like, dude, same. Thank you. And I was like, guess I didn't dazzle him. I just dazzled myself with how charming I am. So his loss. <laughs> anyway, went on the date and you fell for yourself. <laughs> exactly, Joanne. Exactly. <laughs> so that, that Kentucky boy. No more. I don't even know his last name. So weird. Such a weird experience. Anyways, 
Huh. Uh, but it was good for me to just like go on a date and be like, oh, like I'm here because this person wanted to take me on a date. I'm not like guessing. Oh, does uh-huh. this person like me? Do they not? Like, do they think I'm pretty? I'm like, oh, he already thinks I'm pretty. So it's fine. I don't have to I'm just dazzle him some more. If he's not dazzled, then I dazzle myself. Exactly what could happen. Anyways, that was a huge confidence booster. Booster, And the next day, I had this Skype call or FaceTime call with this cute Indian boy who lived in Columbus. And I did not have my hopes up about it. I was like, he seems nice. I'll, I'll probably talk to him on the phone, but I'm sure it'll be awkward and then we'll never talk again. But we had the sweetest FaceTime call for like three hours and we talked about everything. He was so funny and cute and charming and very well dressed and very well spoken. And we just had a great time. And I was late meeting my friends for dinner, like an hour late because I was talking to him. And they're like, Maddie, what were you doing? I was like, oh, I was just talking to this boy. Like, we'll see. It's probably nothing. And that. And on that call, he was like, oh, can I come to Cincinnati to take you on a date? And he wanted to come like that weekend. And I was like, no, I can't do it this weekend. I already have plans, but you can take me on a date next weekend. And he was like, okay, great. So that, and it was actually like perfect timing because there were some things that I needed to put some closure on that week, which I was able to, and really like felt like in a good place to start dating again and we went on a date and it was the best we spent eight hours together and he was so gentlemanly and so kind and so funny and sweet and intentional and it was just like the best day ever I was basically was that a Friday this was a Sunday he came there was a, the first Sunday in February he came and took me and took me on a date we went to church at okay he took me to this bougie brunch place then we went for a walk I remember because I guess it was I'm trying to remember if I came to visit you the week after or the week before but I remember you were like yeah he asked me what kind of place I like want to go and so I picked like a cheap like nasty looking place I picked like a normal place and I picked a bougie place and I choose and he picked the bougie one (laughs) Yep, exactly. That's exactly what happened. He picked the bougie option, and I was like, "Okay, noted." This is I'm not gonna complain about bougie things. And this might sound so silly, but I knew, like, that there was something special about this guy, and that he was for me. When we were sitting down and ordering, and he was like, "Oh, like, why don't oh, we were both gonna get chicken and waffles?" And then he was like, "Well." why don't one of us get chicken and waffles and someone that one of the other person gets something else and we split it so that we can like share and taste different things. And I was like, I love sharing food. This is perfect. I love, this is, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me. Off my feet by wanting to share food with me. But literally it worked. Does he still do that? Is that like just like a normal, really normal thing for him? Or was that just like a weird thing he did on the flute? No, it's a super normal thing for him. Like super normal. Another, yeah, he like shares food. It doesn't bother him if I like pick something off of his plate to eat. (laughs) My fries and his sauce. Like he doesn't like, 
think twice about it, which is very much something that I do and that could really annoy someone. Oh, yeah. Dave Uh, doesn't care either, but he always makes a point to, like, make a face or be like, can you get your own or something? And I'm like, (laughs) Dave, like, it kills me if I, like, I'm like, hey, Dave, can I have some of your water? And he's like, like, oh, sure. Or then he'll, like, wipe the lid. I'm like, Dave, I'm like, we're married. Like, we sleep in the same bed. Like, why can't we share a fork? Like, he, he just, he won't do it. I'm like, okay, I don't want to share your toothbrush. Like, I draw the line somewhere, but come on. It's a cup. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Exactly. Um, oh, the other thing that I found out, like, later is, like, uh, Indians, like, eat with their hands, like, most of their meals, and I mm-hmm. love eating with my hands. And it's totally acceptable to eat with my hands now. <laughs> yeah, because you get the naan and you just use it to scoop, like, a spoon, and then you eat the whole thing. Yeah, no, but right? you, you, like, eat rice with your hands. There's, like, a special Oh, wow. With your fingers. And I like, didn't know that. Into your mouth. I'll have to show you. We'll make it. Okay. Arvin hates it when I eat with my fingers. When we have American friends over that he doesn't know very well, he's like, ugh, it's embarrassing. We're all eating with our hands. Because I think it's so fun. He's like, just use silverware like a normal American. <laughs> but I was like, well, why is it okay for us to just eat with our hands when we're all, when we're, it's just us and your family? And not when I have my American friends over. And he's just like, oh, I get it. I'm like, okay, whatever. I'm still going to eat with my hands. Sorry, bye. That's okay. When you guys come and visit and we go to Burgatory, we can eat with only our hands. Perfect. <laughs> so where do you eat burgers with your hands, Joanne? So. I know. I know. But that's not the point. <laughs> okay. But he was just so sweet. He was the best. And he invited me to come visit him in Columbus the next day to go to a basketball game with him and his sister. And it was like all of these little things that I had been wanting my ex-boyfriend to do mm-hmm. that he never did, that this, that Arvin was, was doing without even thinking about it. Like it came so naturally to him. Um, he took me to get ice cream, which another way to my heart. So it, yeah, it was the best. And he called me on his way home when he was driving back to Columbus just to like chat and I was like oh you really like me and then I went to Columbus the next day and spent the day with him and his family which was really nice which maybe people would have been freaked out to like meet the family on the second date but I was like this is the best I love this why not let's just go for it then the next weekend was Valentine's Day and he surprised me and drove and made reservations at a fancy restaurant dressed up brought me flowers and a balloon and chocolate took me out to dinner And it was so romantic. I had never been treated like that before by a man. It was very healing and I felt very honored. And I remember we were driving back from the date and he was telling me he was just, maybe other girls would have been freaked out by this, but I thought this was the best. He was like, you are just like, you're a treasure. Like I really, you're precious and you're a treasure. And like, I want to care for you. And that was like, so, I don't know. It was just like so sweet. It's like, you're just the best. You're stuck. It doesn't get any better than this. <laughs> and like, since then he like really just did things to look out for me and think about like, what does Maddie need? How can I care for her? I remember one time I went, I had gone on vacation with my roommates and I came back on a Monday morning right in time for work and he figured I wouldn't have lunch. So he had pizza ordered to my office as a surprise for me <laughs> two large pizzas so that I could share with my friends 
and oh. <laughs> like remembered my favorite kind and everything and <laughs> got delivered at the front desk and the person watching the front desk called me and was like uh you have pizza delivered here I was like, I didn't order any pizza. They're like, well, they said it's for you. And I like went down and I looked at the receipt and it said Bantu. I was like, oh, Marvin, you sent me this pizza. Oh. That is so cute. Last name, by the way. Anyway, so just like things like that, like being very intentional. Um, and I'm, granted, our relationship has not been perfect. We have had some ups and downs and some challenges dating, like starting to date during COVID and having cultural differences and communication breakdowns like was really hard. There was a time where we took a, we had to like take a break because we were misunderstanding each other. And it was, that was really, it was really challenging, but in the end, like he always came through for me. He was always like team Maddie. He was always there. And always like very intentional about like, I love you. And I want to make like, I want this relationship. This relationship is a priority to me. You are a priority to me. Mm. And then long story short, we got engaged on ten ten, <laughs> and we're getting married on one, two, 21. So it's been a whirlwind. And I'm so grateful and I remember like all of the heartache and all of the years like in college after college where I was just longing for that person who was going to be my life's companion as Pope John Paul II writes in his play The Jeweler Shop for someone which I would recommend people reading that. It's a really beautiful work on marriage. But anyways, he, yeah, I was, had been like longing for someone to be my life's companion. And what, and that time felt like it took forever to get to that moment. And now that I'm in this spot of like being engaged and working towards getting married, it's like all of that time feels like just a drop in the bucket. Like it was all worth it. It was all preparing me for this man that God has chosen for me and preparing me to be the best wife that I can be to him. And I don't, and I think it's easy for women who are in the place that I'm in and that are Joanna's in, like of being married or being engaged, uh-huh. gloss over all of the like heartache and the journey and the process that it took to get to being in your vocation. And so I want to emphasize like the path, even in this relationship with this wonderful man, like wasn't always easy. And we did disagree and we did have communication breakdowns and we did argue and there were definitely valleys, but there were, there were, there were like the mountaintop experiences too. And then there was just like the normal every day and the good and the joy like outweighed the pain. And 
the struggle always made us stronger. And that's how I knew like, okay, this is who, this is who I think God is like asking me to spend my life with and to give my life to. And just want to say like, it's worth it. Like all the pain, all the struggle is 100%, 100% worth it. But if you're in that phase of waiting, if you're in that phase of not knowing what your vocation is, whether your vocation ultimately will be to married life, to being a consecrated religious, to being a consecrated single person, like living in the world, that it's okay if this period of not being in your vocation is hard. But because of this struggle that you're going through, whether it's a struggle or not, but if you're feeling an ache and that there's struggle that you're going through and pain that you're feeling, that when you are living in that vocation, your joy will be ever more full because you know the pain and you know the ache and you know it wasn't an easy journey. Remember one of my best friends, Rose, she said to me, she was like, Matt, when, that, when uh, my college boyfriend like betrayed me and our relationship ended, she said, she's like, I'm so excited for you to meet the man that you're going to marry because you felt this loss. Your joy will be that much more full and complete because you know the other side. Mm. And she was right. She was right. <laughs> so I hope that made sense. That's my story. And yeah. I'm excited to be married. <laughs> Yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned that. Cause I think even last week and then even today I was thinking about like just a lot of the valleys that I experienced that, and like some of them that I didn't even get to share, like talking about like my own, like prior, I didn't really have like prior dating experience before I started dating Dave, but like other like flames or I don't know what you would call it. Like crushes. It was more than a crush, but it wasn't a relationship. It's very weird. But yeah, I mean like there's a lot of heartbreak you know in the in-between and the things that you say you know yeah and then I took like a semester to just really you know live my life or to distance myself from discernment and it's like yeah well that sounds really great but it doesn't mean that we just like woke up and we're like oh, I'm just living my life now I'm gonna join 10 clubs like I remember I did sent ministries in that time which is something that I like never thought I would do it was so out of left field I was like I have nothing to do I'm gonna do this really random thing it wasn't really for me you know and like that brought on its own like crosses or then even just like the nights where it really hits you and you're just like laying in bed I remember laying in bed crying listening to this sad song playlist that I made on Spotify eating like takeout fried rice in my bed asking <laughs> Bethany why boys didn't like me like <laughs> and being like legitimate not like trying to be stupid like just really being heard and yeah um, yeah yeah you know like those those moments are real like even for people who are like on the other side and of course now I'm like oh it's nothing compared to you know blah 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 whatever and it's like no it's just different like I feel like my bandwidth for suffering was so different not like better or worse but just different mm -hmm. um 
then like being married and then like being a parent, I feel like changes your like bandwidth for suffering because I think about it now and I'm like, wow, my life is so different. Like sometimes I think I'm like, Oh, Maddie just gets in her car and she just drives till 1am to Columbus and has a time of her life. Like whatever, how, what it would be to just be free like that. And I'm like, yeah, like maybe this is my suffering of like not having that freedom, but like there's so much joy that Maddie doesn't get to have because she doesn't have a little baby. She dressed up as a lobster for Halloween, you know, like this stupid stuff you know, that is a joy that only you can experience in any way. So I'm getting off on a tangent, but yeah. Um, and then I think you made a really good point about like in your relationship in college, you know, talking about how you kind of like put this person up on a pedestal. Cause I listened, cause I remember that we were recording this podcast. So I listened to Superman again and I was like, wow, this song is so good. And I'm like in the car and I'm like crying because I'm going back to all those moments that I like laid in bed and I was like, <laughs> whatever and um because it is I mean and it's so easy not only for like the man to be like I like I'm your savior like I'm so amazing like look at me because that's kind of like the way that the song starts but then at the end it's like but I did this too like I put you in a place that you weren't supposed to be and I gave you an expectation that you could never reach yep. and now I like am hurt all the more because you you know, put yourself in a place you shouldn't have been. And then I let you do that. And I exalted you and, and yeah. And so, yeah, it, I mean, I think it just gets messy, like relationships and there's a lot of brokenness in all of us and you know how those come out, but then like, but you know, as you kind of finished with like your joy is all the more you, when you find someone who's like, yeah, like I'm not perfect and you're not perfect, but like, I love you in spite of that. And so, like, while I think neither of us will ever have all the answers, like, we'll never understand why those other guys didn't love us, and then we'll never understand, like, why it didn't work out fully, but I don't think that, at least for me, I guess I can't speak for you, Maddie, but, like, I'll never understand, like, why this boy does, you know, like, why, you know, this person does, like, love me and accept me in all of the mess, even though I ask him sometimes, and he's like, oh, and I'm like, I don't, <laughs> that's not a good answer. I don't know what, like, this fluffy answer is, but, um yeah it's it's just one of those things that is also like unfathomable mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yes it is unfathomable and that love is worth fighting for worth the pain worth the weight it's such a cheesy thing to say but it's true i know worth it. yeah freaking worth it well well this was part two of our vocation saga so if arvin will um grace us with his presence dave has agreed to come onto the podcast next week so if he's willing to skype in then if not this week we'll do another week stay tuned stay tuned to talk to our other half i was gonna say better yes. half but who are we kidding we're the better half <laughs>